Totally Football Show, American Edition. Hello and welcome to the fourth installment of the Totally Football Show, American Edition. Joining me again today, our Canadian national team player, Lauren Sesselman. What's up? Venice Beach FC co-founder, Tim Walsh. Yo, yo. And City of Angels FC founder, PJ Harrison. Hello. <laughs> that was so trying to be your American style. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't quite work out. <laughs> Trust me, didn't quite work out. Um, all right, the midterm results are in. That's right. We're banging in the middle of the second round of MLS playoffs, conference semifinals, and we had quite the round of first legs. So there's quite a few talking points, but let's begin with the Pacific Northwest and Portland versus Seattle. Cascadia all over mm-hmm. again. You got you got to love this. One of the classic MLS fixtures, and they play again tonight. Mm-hmm. Right? Sess, what'd you make of this one? I mean, anytime these two teams get together, it's extremely exciting. And this is the first playoff series, actually, between the two sides in five years. So that even makes it more exciting. And they played in Portland. Portland came away with the win 2-1. to one. Um, Seattle was actually the one to score first um, in the 10th minute. A beautiful pass from Roldan to Diaz, who... I mean, has been coming up huge for Seattle. And then Portland comes out and scores two of them. And in the 13th minute, um, Jeremy Ibosi breaks um, his offsides trap and his nice through ball from Valeri, and then he does a beautiful finish. And then you have in the 29th minute, Valeri battles through the defense, and Sebastian Blanco finishes a beautiful lefty shot. And, you know, going into the second half, um, there was a few um, injuries that we should talk about uh, for Seattle that's going to be, you know, crucial for them tonight going into this next round. I mean, you have Christian Roldan going down in the 31st minute with his groin and hip flexor, and then you have a big one, um, Chad Marshall. I mean, this this guy, he's he's huge for their defense and going down with that with that knee injury. Both of them are looking to not play tonight. So they're out? Yeah, they're out. I mean, I think Marshall already went underwent surgery too. So, um, But yeah, this was an exciting game, and – you know, Seattle really has to, to go in tonight. They're playing at home, which is going to be huge for them, and they really need to get that win to, to advance. Yeah, that's one of the things. This Cascadia, we always talk about this rivalry and, and what it means. People would argue that this is probably the biggest rivalry um, within MLS. I, I'm going to disagree, you know, but <laughs> I, I think it is one of the major rivalries here, and this game was absolutely fabulous. When we talk about, you know, uh, Jeremy Ibobise with his ability – up top as a young player kind of coming in. I mean, he was he was fantastic. But I, I got to give myself a little bit of credit. You know, I did say Valeri mm-hmm. was something mm-hmm. special, and he was involved with both of those goals. The pass to, to, to Jeremy Ibobise, fantastic, great run there. But then I would say the second one is probably more influential, how he's skirting through the midfield, he's fighting, he's battling all the way through, and then the rebound ends up, you know, right going to Blanco and where he ends up finishing it off. Yeah. I mean, so I, everyone put a, put a hand up if you agree that, you know, I was right with Valeri. B. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> everyone, that's everyone's hand. Everyone's hand went up. You right? didn't put any money on it, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Does it count? Did you pay us yet, by the way? I told you it was a draw. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, PJ still owes us some money. That's, that's what it comes down to. I mean, what, what did you think of, on this one, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I think, 
you know, looking at looking at Diego Valeri's performance just in the playoffs, I mean, it, it shows you what a special player he is because we talk about a lot of great players in this league, um, and a lot of them are, you know, great defenders, great goal scorers, but few of them can do it all. Mm -hmm. And right. Valeri seems like a guy. I've always been so impressed with the way he can pick up the ball in the midfield and break just towards the goal and create. Um, he He's a guy who has service, free kicks. Uh, he can finish all different types of ways in the box, but somebody who can kickstart an attack and create something off of a transition like he can is pretty incredible, and he did it again. Yeah, what, what really shocks me about this, I, I guess it shouldn't shock me because he was the MVP last year of the league, is his ability to take his game up another level. You know, when we see this with the playoffs, all of a sudden he is – you, he's all over the place for, for this Portland side, and he's he's actually done a lot of damage, you know, over the previous games. Um, looking at this, we have to remember they're playing tonight. Mm. It's a short week. Is Seattle going to be able to answer? You know, when we do talk about you know Roldan, who is their engine in the midfield, he's going to be well. He's questionable at the at the best. And we know that Chad Marshall is out unless there's absolutely some miracle that you can go through surgery, yeah. meniscus surgery, and all of a sudden play, you know, in a game on this short week. Are we giving Seattle a chance? I mean, we did mention there's, spe there's special on the 12th man Seattle, right, when we're talking yeah. about that fan base and, and their home field advantage. I think anytime you're going into play in Seattle, like I mean, the the crowd is incredible there. Obviously, not having Roldan is you know a huge loss. He is the glue that pretty much holds everything together for this team. But also, let's talk about you know not having Marshall. Like we have to talk about how he's like their person for set pieces and. And so not having him is going to be crucial. But you have Roman Torres coming in, who's a physical beast. I mean, he's got World Cup playoff experience, which is, which is huge. And, you know, he hasn't played a lot with Kimhi, but they've, I think the last time they played together, they actually lost 3-0 to Galaxy. Wait, who they, who, who, who they <laughs> But you know what? Anytime you have a world-class player stepping up, he's, you know, the second half is a testament. They, you know, no, no goals allowed in the second half. And I think that these two together, um, I think they're going to do a good job. And it's going to be an interesting matchup, but my money's on Seattle. I really think that they're a very good team, um, but I, I'm rooting for them, you know. And I, I love watching Valeri, though, like mm -hmm. for Portland. Oh, you know, he's, he's just – he's beautiful. He plays beautiful soccer. He's beautiful. He, he is beautiful, beautiful too. No, yeah, he plays beautiful <laughs> soccer. And, I mean, he's just been the heart of every goal for them, you know, this year. So, I don't know. What do you guys have, Portland or Seattle, for this game tonight? I've given up trying to predict because the past three yeah, I got wrong, wrong. So, <laughs> okay, Lauren, I'm gonna start keeping tabs Honestly, on everyone here. <laughs> I do. I do think Seattle. I mean, and you think Seattle's gonna go through? Yeah, I. Okay. Yeah, I just I'm loving um, Ariu Diaz. Like I, I love watching him play, and he's been coming up really, you know, really big for them. And I just think you know you have these different players coming off, and they have good depth. They have really good depth on their squad, which is, which a lot of other teams don't have. So. Um, Seattle. Tim. Portland. All righty. You, th you think they're going to win tonight? You think Portland's going to win tonight and go through? Mm, I think they could pull out a draw at least, I think. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a tough game for for Seattle. Um, yeah, I got my Okay, so you're, you're saying draw tonight and Portland goes through. Yeah. Um, I you know making, people are gonna you are keeping a tab. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I'm keeping a tab here because we so we can we just go back to this. Back, <laughs> you, you know, I did, you know. Hey, Kobe, I, just to go back on on your point about it, 
in your opinion, not being the greatest rivalry? What is? Well, uh, well, you're you're going way back. I think there's a lot of great. I thought L.A. San Jose was one of the best rivalries. Was the, the, or is? Uh, uh, well, is. I don't think a rivalry ever ever dies just because a team just goes on the on the downslope. You know, San Jose isn't you know one of the top teams right now. But back in the day, I know Tim could tell you this as well. That was probably one of the most fierce rivalries. There's an original rivalry with L.A. with uh, D.C. United, so it was a cross country rivalry. You know, there's there's a lot of those. But I do understand that in Portland, Seattle, you could even throw Vancouver in there a little bit. Is that Cascadia? That whole thing. Just there's a lot of history that goes beyond yeah. MLS. Yeah. You know, it goes to way back. You know, NAS days and all that but you know I, I don't like talking about NASL and stuff from like 30 years ago when we're talking about the league that started in 96 you know so for me you know it's uh you know LA San Jose I still think was what probably one of the most intense but right now I could say that Portland Seattle is is a very impressive rivalry so with that being said my pick I think it's going to be Portland and Portland going through reason being I think uh the way the game went last time, I think Valeri is pretty impressive with Roldan and Marshall out. We saw the last time that Marshall didn't play was against that Galaxy team. When he's not playing, they're very susceptible in the back, and I think uh, Portland's on the on the uptick while Seattle's on the down with the two injuries. And we talk about a short week, not a lot of rest, you know, for this uh, Seattle side to recover from some of those injuries. Okay, so anyways... I got, I'm going to mark that down, Portland, Portland for me, all right? <laughs> Everyone's got that. All right. Um, everyone, thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support, and we need your help to keep making this show. You can help us by spreading the word by taking a screenshot of your podcast screen right now and posting it on your Instagram story or Twitter feed. One person who does that will win a replica MLS ball signed by myself. And thank you to everybody who's, who has been doing this and for all your five-star ratings and subscriptions on Apple Podcasts. And now, from the Northwest to the East, NYCFC hosted Atlanta United, and this one did not disappoint. Tim, you were all over this one. Yeah, it was a playoff game by uh, two of the best you know, teams in the East right now. Physical, it was a super physical game. Um, first half, they saw more fouls than any other first half in the league this year. Um, you know, a lot of people talking about NYCFC. This is a big advantage for them, this home game, unique environment, but they weren't able to capitalize on that. Uh, Atlanta looked like the better team for most of the night. Um, you saw Almiron early get a goal. It was... Uh, offside, offside. It was offside <laughs> to the short corner, and I think, you know, it wasn't his cleanest strike, kind of bounced over Sean Johnson there, but... Um, one thing that really impressed me and I think speaks volumes of his character is after the whole charades of the VAR and all that, they call the goal back. Uh, Almiron, you could see, kind of looked at all his teammates, clapped his hands and tried to urge him on, say, let's go, let's go, let's do it again. Instead of complaining and, you know, carrying on that moment, you can, they, they just look confident and Going into second half, you know, there was a few good chances there, but uh, Michael Parkhurst was playing great. Sean Johnson had a great game for New York. 
the attack for NYCFC didn't really materialize any good opportunities. Terrible. They had had, uh, some good play, but nobody on the end of it. And they didn't register one shot on goal. So... Um, wait, 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 wait. Say that again. That's extremely important. NYCFC, we got David Villa, yeah. you know, you got all these stars, did not register one shot on goal. Yeah, it was a physical game, and, you know, we'll see what happens in the second leg, but Atlanta's got all the all the momentum, I would say, and all the advantage in this one. I, I, I have to give credit, you know, to Tata Martino. The way they played, I, I thought, was really good with Atlanta. They made the game ugly. Yeah. They made the game ugly, and and they were they were impressive. They were as far as the strength. You usually think of Atlanta as like, okay, it's this team that's going to a fast break, a countering, a passing, a moving team break out on you. But they said, okay, we're on this small field, we can deal with this, and anything that comes inside, they're just going to smash, 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 and then go forward and break mm-hmm. out. And they did it well. I actually think it played well into the way that um, Atlanta plays this NYCFC team and their field because. It's so small and tight. They try to go right through the middle. Well, how does Atlanta attack? They really don't have – you wouldn't think of Atlanta as, okay, we're going to go out wide on the wings. It's through Almiron, straight up the heart in the middle, and it's making sure that they are, are dangerous inside. Right? Yeah. You, you know, and, and hey, this is the second one. I'm going to take credit again. Huh? <laughs> Almiron. I, I, yeah. It, it, there's an argument there, MVP, with him coming back and just how impressive he was in this game. I agree. Great. I agree with that performance. And, and didn't Tata say that the substitution was planned, that they were, you know, saving his legs a little? Mm-hmm. It wasn't an injury, right? It could have been an injury. I mean, hamstring injury, sometimes that's two months. Sometimes that's one week, you know. So uh, whether it was tactical to rest him or – you know, just give him a break because of where his body was at this point in the season. Um, regardless, they're 10 times better when he's oh, on the field. Yeah. yeah, all of a sudden, you know, Martinez is more dangerous. Yeah. I mean, Martinez actually has the the shot, you know, that ends up being the goal, the goal, the one goal of the game, you know, off of the save. I think, you know, it's not necessarily direct connection, but I think all of a sudden Martinez has more, you know, confidence with Almarone on the field, you know, and he seems to be playing better. And and I'm going to jump. I'm jumping all over the place. I know this, but NYCFC, they were so poor on set pieces and corners. There was multiple opportunities for Atlanta in this game off of set pieces and corners. I'm not exactly sure. They're playing that zone, you know, right in front of the boss, but they never marked anyone. Mm-hmm. They did, it's, you don't just stand there. You've got you to gotta go and, and get a body on somebody. Mm-hmm. And Martin, Martinez, you know, has that basically a side volley where the ball's down at the ground. You know, every coach will tell you, don't let the ball drop. Yeah. You've got to get there, right? You so never what does see that mean for New York? Because even with those defensive issues, they're still limiting the shots. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, well, crazy, crazy. I mean, one other pr- – I've I got to give credit. You know, Michael Parkhurst, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I always like to call the players like this the brain, right? He's like mm-hmm. the brain of the back line where he's not the most imposing defender. He's not the fastest, not the tallest, not the strongest, but he always puts himself – in good positions, yeah, and I think he did an excellent job on Davivia, uh, just knowing where he was and being around to really shut down the plays. Mm-hmm. You know, it is pretty, pretty impressive. And you know, Sean Johnson, good moment. Yeah, excellent moment at the very end of the game where Martinez comes through, lays it back, Garza comes through with that strike. Yeah, just a little tap that could have really separated if it was a two-zero lead instead of one nothing. Yeah, that's a different story. Winning or losing 2-0 at home and then having to go to Atlanta and score potentially three. Um, 
if anything, you can look at it as Sean Johnson kept him in this. Yeah, I, I completely – okay, so with this, NYCFC have to go to Atlanta mm. and play in a much bigger field in that crowd and atmosphere. PJ, who's going to win? Who's going to go through? I, you know, I actually think New York are going to – I think that um, – I think they're going to find a little more space in their attack, uh, like you said, with the bigger field, and I think that experience is going to shine through for them. So you're taking New York uh, <laughs> in this next game, and you think they're going to go through? I, yeah, I'm going to go with New York. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go for Spanish Dave in New York. Our Spanish Dave, David. Okay. <laughs> Lauren? You know, I, I agree with you, oh, but I have no. I, oh. That being said, I love the momentum that Atlanta has right now. I mean, that game was – that was a fun one to watch. And I think they have all the momentum going into this, playing at home, having that, that crowd energy. Um, I think it's going to be huge for them. Yeah. So who do you think is going to win this game? Atlanta. And, and so that means Atlanta through. Tim? Atlanta. Oh, and Atlanta through? Mm-hmm. Wow, it's three against one again because I'm Atlanta, Atlanta through. So <laughs> just let you know, PJ. <laughs> You're on the outside looking in, you contrary and you. All right. Okay, that's going to do it for part one. We'll be back in a moment talking Columbus versus New York and much more. You're listening to the Totally Football Show American Edition. For sales and advertising inquiries, email hello at muddykneesmedia.com. Welcome back to the Totally Football Show American Edition. Now, Columbus versus Red Bulls. All right, this was, uh, this was an interesting game. Um, you know, Greg Berhalter going up against his uh, you know, national team teammate, Chris Armas, you know, the two coaches, you know, locked in battle here at Columbus. Uh, this game ended up 1-0 to zero, uh, when it all comes down to it, and you have to, you have to look at the tactics of this whole situation. You, know, you had Greg Berhalter elect not to start Federico Higuain because uh, I, I tend to believe it's because they played 120 minutes right. you know, in the game before against D.C. United. So you know, Higuain, not, not the youngest, so you got to give him a little bit of a break here. But it worked out because, I mean, this is a game, I mean, not the – not the most exciting. I mean, I think there was a five shots on target in the totality of this game. But the one goal, that one goal was pretty special Beautiful. when Higuain comes in, right? I mean, that was, you know, the back heel, the no-look back heel. And then Giassi Zardes, once again, comes up with a brilliant, a brilliant strike. There wasn't a whole lot from, from New York. I mean, you, you look at uh, Zach Steffen in goal. You know, he, he makes, I think, one incredible save. I think there was uh, one moment. This whole game was summed up by two moments. The Iguain back heel to Zardes, and then the Bradley Wright Phillips chance in the dying minutes of the game, and the Zach Steffen actually save where he pulls the hand, he puts the hand back and mm -hmm. pulls that ball basically out of the net. I mean, I thought it was absolutely incredible. You know, no wonder Steffen's, uh, you know, oh, should we mention it now? But, yeah, yeah I mean, goalkeeper, I mean, Absolutely impressive. I mean, we saw that late save from Zach Steffen, but also when Danny Royer had a breakthrough and Seth Steffen came off of the line. So not only making saves, you know, from, you know, inside the box, but recognizing the danger when his back line is beat and he basically makes an open field tackle on Danny Royer and pretty much saves the day. So you got to give credit to this young man. He's doing everything. You know, that's incredible. And it puts Columbus in a, in a fantastic position, you know, and it, and I do not think, you know, 
Red Bulls can just say, okay, we're at home now. We can get this victory. Because the way Burhalter, you know, is, is, I guess, sizing everything up and organizing everything, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a very difficult time for this Red Bull side. Agreed? Yeah. I think you can, you can kind of sense the collective energy building with the crew and coming away with a win there and then having, you know, if there's a team that can protect it on the road, I think it's, like you said, Burhalter's guys right now. So, I've been impressed with Columbus over the playoffs so far. And, you know, like you were saying, an award for the goalkeeper, also an award for Jassy Zardes, comeback player of the year. He's been, I think he's been great. And you said last week he's a finisher. And that's yes. what he's done. Yeah. I mean, you see, like I said, he's not going to be like, okay, I'm going to dribble, dribble, pass, and, you know, like that. But he gets the ball in and around the box. Mm-hmm. And he's finding ways to put the ball in the back of the net. You know, that, that's it. And he's very strong and uh, solid in the air. And some of the stuff that he has said, you know, because remember, former Galaxy player, and they moved him on, he has a better understanding you know, of where he needs to be and an understanding of where that service is coming from and when it's coming so he knows what he needs to do. That gives even more credit to the coach and Greg Berhalter and what he's getting out of Giassi's artist right now as mm-hmm. we talk about the possibilities of him, you know, in the future. Now, there's a young player who's promising because Giassi was a prospect young. There's a guy like him who has natural ability. Do the coaches overlook developing him because he's doing well? Has he gone to a team where the coach is paying more attention and improving his decision-making? I mean, I'm, I've always been one that, you know, I can't say if he's been overlooked or not. I think there's definitely that just within MLS in and of itself. I, I think in general, the, you have to, as a player, find the right team that fits you because not every team is going to fit you. And Giassi Zardes is the current perfect example. In L.A., when the, the, the former coaching situation was there, he wasn't – doing that well you know he was going through some struggles he, he he didn't fit the style of play there but now where there's a team that keeps possession gets the ball out wide can keep possession in the opponent's uh the opponent's defensive third so in their own attacking third Giassi Zardes just has to go okay he's beat his man I make my run mm-hmm. you know okay it's gonna get pulled back or it's gonna go across again I gotta get there and it makes it simple and easy and now he's just scoring goals left and right yeah and the color scheme suits that hair really well Oh, boy. <laughs> he could go for a check now instead the, of the strike. The, he could go black and, and gold checks. It's the Bakersfield Roadrunner, right? That's why, uh, that's why he did it, right? Because <laughs> he was a Bakersfield, right? Was, right? I, I, I believe. Anyone out there listening, check into that one. But I believe that is what, how he did it so like his family could see him. And it's the I, that's what and I heard. Stuff. I heard is he does it so his grandma can easily point him out on TV and find which one he is on the field. So you think Odell copied Jassy? Uh, Jassy's been rocking that for a while. True. At least six years. <laughs> True. Okay, but, 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 but as you go on that nonsensical conversation, <laughs> uh, how does how does Rebels respond? Look, you have Bradley Wright Phillips. You, you can always find a way to score a goal, but they didn't in this last one. So how do they respond? How do they get better? I don't know, uh, but I think this is a familiar position for the Red Bulls at this point in the year. I mean, we've seen them be dominant in the regular season, and then they get into these pressure cooker situations in the playoffs, and they combust so we'll see I think uh, Bradley Wright Phillips is going to have to be clinical if he gets you know a few opportunities he's got to finish them because it doesn't seem like Columbus is going to give up too much and you got those young players like up for New York like Tyler Adams and stuff so they're going to have to be a little bit more impressive in the central areas of 
trying, trying to shut down Iguain. Yeah. You know, because he, I have a feeling he's not going to play just 45 minutes in this next game. He's going to be in the full 90. Okay, so with that, Tim first. Who's going to win this game? It's uh, Columbus at Red Bull. Based on history, Columbus. <laughs> so you're going with Columbus to win this game and go through or just or what? To win and go through. To win and go through. I like, I like it. I'm going for Columbus. I think, you know, I think collectively they're playing great football right now. And Zardis, like, he's so fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm just loving it. And Zach Stefan, like, just in the net. It's beautiful. So for me, I'm going to have to say Columbus, but I hope it's going to be a good game. Yeah. We're in playoffs, all, so they're all going to be good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's knockout football. It's exactly. This is, this is knockout football for, you know, for everyone that doesn't know. This is basically like Champions League. You know, mm -hmm. it's home and away. You know, get it done. You know, away goals count. All that's important. You know, it's extremely important. Yes. Yes. Who? DJ, who is going to go? You're next. I was who? hoping you were going to skip me. <laughs> <laughs> I was hiding at the back of the class. Uh, Red Bulls. Red Bulls, right, Phillips, home territory. Columbus have been very impressive, but uh, I think it's the end of the road for them. Hmm. Okay, Red Bull, you think they're going to win? The, well, they're going to have to win I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to go through. Okay, for, see, for me, I think this is going to be a tie, and I think Columbus is going through. I think it's going to be a defensive, organized Columbus defense. They, they might pick up one, and Red Bull might pick up one, and then you're going to see uh, – Columbus, you know, going through on this one. Well, we've already seen Columbus in a shootout, so we know they got the steal. <laughs> they did, well, you got you got Zach Steffen in goal. About that one. He's been absolutely fabulous all the way through. I mean, it's, it's so impressive. It's okay, okay. DJ. Um, <laughs> and okay, everyone. And lastly, but not least, it's a team who may be turning into the surprise package of this off season. Yes, Real Salt Lake, who squeaked in. You know, over my LA Galaxy, <laughs> that, who hosted conference champions Sporting Kansas City. Now this game ended up one to one. An another game that probably wasn't you know the most exciting game. You know even the coaches in that first half were talking about they didn't feel that their team you know played so well. Uh, but this was an R and R. You guys know what that is? See, I'm, I'm trying to go PJ style. Rest and relaxation. No, 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 no. Rush, knack, and Rubio. Two Ooh. goal, goal scorers. See? Yeah, I did my research, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> the two goal scorers, you know, it was absolutely fa fabulous. I mean, Rush, knack had a, had a cracker. I mean, it was a, it was what a great a goal. goal. Yeah, yeah. You want Beautiful. to explain it? Explain this goal. Uh, just the combination play on the top of the box and then the hit. It was it was so quick and clean. And I, it's, where the because that been all year. <laughs> so, what a moment. Um, I mean, this team is just full of surprises right now. Yeah, they, I mean, it was incredible. The one-two off of the header, and that ball is bouncing. And it almost looked like he connected a little bit underneath, but he hit it sweet. Yeah. And, it's, and it's no chance to save that goal at, at all, save that ball at all. It was, a, it was an absolutely fabulous goal. And just switching to the other R in the R&R, Rubio, you know, I mean, he comes in as a substitute, and almost like his first touch, yeah. picks up the, the mistake by Nick Raimondo on a poor, mm. poor clearance as he's getting pressured. He held, hold, held the ball way too long, and it goes right to his feet. He t gives it a couple of touches right across the middle and then just you know, banks it right into that far post, you know, no chance for Raimondo. Raimondo did, basically did the courtesy dive. You know, it was the, the ball was already, you know, hitting the back of the net a couple of times before Raimondo, you know, even, even moved. It was... It was uh, it was crazy, but I don't know if you look at that goal. I'm not sure why why Kyle Beckerman just kept backing up, backing up, and let Rubio set up. The, you know, the the perfect shot. He needed to step forward. Mm. You know, to try to deflect it or something. But you know, anyways, it, 
ended up a 1-1 game, you know, overall, overall here. So, um, I don't know. If you look at this next one, RSL going to sporting, for me, I, I think it's the perfect situation for sporting. I, I, I really think Peter Vermes has this down pat, and I think it's going to be difficult for RSL. Yeah, I mean, unless they can come up with another, you know, couple moments of brilliance out of nothing. But, um, you know, it it seems to be like those opportunities are coming through, Rusnak and Krylik and, you know. Isn't, isn't um, Rusnak, isn't he suspended for this next yes, one? Yes, he is. Yeah. Rusnak so is I out. think that's going to be huge. Yeah. So, like I said, I, or you said, I agree. I think Peter Vermes is going to have him ready for this moment. You know, it's interesting. When RSL had those uh, before the last couple of games, maybe the third or fourth game before the end of season, there was an issue where, where um, some of the players were arrested, some of the regular starters were arrested or didn't play, and the young guys came in, and they absolutely just crushed teams. You know, so this is going to be interesting to see who steps up in Odersnack's position and if they can give, you know, the same performance of what, what we saw earlier. There's a lot of – for Real Salt Lake, which is interesting, there's a lot of young talent yeah. on this side sitting on the bench. Mm -hmm. I think they're a club that's in a situation of, okay, when do we make the changes? Mm -hmm. When do we look at Kyle Beckerman? When do we look at Nick Romano and say – okay, can you be a leader from a different position, you know, maybe coming off the bench or from the sidelines and help get that next generation in? You yeah. Know? And, and those are always difficult situations. They always say the toughest thing in coaching is being the coach of a, of a veteran player, that, you know, when it's towards the end of the career. You're looking at me, KJ. The accused. <laughs> no, it's true. You you always think you have it the same, but you know, as a player. But you know, that sometimes you got to make those decisions on, on what to do. How was the transition for you going from being that veteran player to being coached to you know just for a short time coaching the veteran player? Like that's a, that's a whole another story. Well, another time. No, no, I don't want to get into that one right now. But it, it, it's it's difficult. It's extremely difficult. I'll, I'll put it to you this way: it's extremely difficult to be a player one day and literally the next training session you walk in and that you have to walk past the player's entrance the to the locker room and walk around to the coach's side that that was like eye-opening where i'm just like literally like what the heck am i doing <laughs> you know and that, who's in the that, locker that, room at that time yeah, yeah well we, we well beckham's in there yeah. you know so you know it was weird being a teammate and you know doing all the things that teammates do together you know through the year and then the next time you're saying okay, I can't relate, I shouldn't say relate, I can't interact with those players the same way as I did before because now I'm an assistant coach. Mm. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a delicate balance. It's not for everybody and, you know, something that you, you learn to deal with, I guess, you know, if you're going to make that transition. But, you know, more importantly for me is the players that are towards the end of the career. You know, I've been there. I've seen there. I, I've, I've had this situation happen. It's delicate for the staff to deal with these players. You know, and it's a tough one. And I think RSL, I think they're in the middle of that, yeah. you know, right now. Um, so we'll see how they come through. So with that being said, I know we didn't talk too much about uh, uh, sporting, you know. Uh, so I'll go first on this one because, mm -hmm. uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's sporting, right? You know, Peter Vermes, old, the coach there, an old teammate of mine, you know, love the guy, great guy. And I think with his uh, organization and what he's built at Sporting KC, I'm going with a – Sporting win and sporting going all the Oof. way through. Big. Yeah, yes, indeed. PJ, you want to go next? Yeah, i got to go with Kansas. You know, conference champions, consistent, lovely blue shirt. Mm. 
And I got a couple of friends there, and uh, I'd like to see them progress. So, are you uh, going through the heart, or are you going because you got buddies? Hey, yeah, I'll take that team of buddies. Yeah, are you going to bet sure. on that too? You know, <laughs> that's that's as good a reason as any, right? Okay, so you're going. Sporting's going to win this one. Yes, convincingly. Okay, <laughs> Lauren. I think I'm gonna have to go with the underdog again. You know, real Salt Lake. You know, but it's gonna be hard with Rust next suspended. Um, hoping maybe Krylik comes up and scores another cracker or something. Um, but yeah, I would have to say um, Salt Lake. Out of all these teams, you know, we got we have eight teams, eight teams left. Which ones are really the contenders? Which ones do you think can can go through all the way? You know, I'll go first here. I mean, I'm looking at. I mean, we've kind of said you know, which teams we think are going to go through. I mean, right now, I'd say Atlanta is looking pretty strong. Right. But, uh, yes, asterisk by it, it, that's all dependent on Almiron. If, if he is playing, I think they got a very good shot, a very good shot of going all the way. I was going to go with, you know, Columbus, too. I, that's, what know? I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I'm <laughs> thinking Columbus. Columbus. Uh, this is going to be a testament with Columbus. I think it's going to be a testament on uh, – where Greg Berhalter goes in the future. I think everyone's looking at this because there's so much talk about, okay, LA Galaxy, so much talk about U.S. national team. Depending on what he does in this uh, playoffs, I think it could be, you know, sending signs out. If it's not done already, you know, we never know. There's so mm-hmm. close fits with anyone. anyone. Anyone else? Any other contenders here? Uh, Atlanta, but I think sporting. I think they have a, a team here that's ready to win a championship. Um, New York, I'm not too sure. I think they could be, you know, a third contender there, but I think Sporting Atlanta or NYC or Red Bulls. A lot of people talking about the East Coast a lot. We're mm-hmm. not getting a whole lot of West Coast love, are we? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seattle, Portland. I mean, anyone there? I I don't know about those teams. I've got to agree with Tim and go for Kansas in the West. And because your buddies are there. <laughs> that and the fact they're conference champions. You know, I think the the two things balance up pretty well. Uh, in the East, I'd love to see a New York derby. You know, and see one of those teams go through. If that happens, you're going to be at the game, aren't you? <laughs> That's a good reason to go to New York, right? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Sess, anyone for you? Anyone I think, to- you know, Atlanta or Columbus. I, I'm really loving Columbus right now. Um, but you can't count out Seattle. They, this is when they shine. They shine right. in playoffs. So I don't think you can count them out. I think it's going to be... A good one tonight. I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's it. We'll find out tonight Well, on that one, which, yeah. is, which is great. Um, well, I, I have to we, – we were talking about this beforehand um, when PJ wasn't around, uh, <laughs> which uh, we, we always get the best conversations Uh-oh. then. Okay, when you look at this, and we're talking about is the Champions League style, you know, or it's the, the knockout style, or it's home and away. Which team – would you rather be Portland – where you had a two-to-one victory and you've got to go to Seattle. Now, I'm talk- not talking about the score, taking in the totality of everything. Um, would you rather be that Portland side going to Seattle, or would you rather be Sporting Kansas City that got the tie away and is going home? Which one's a better? Because we look at, yeah, you got to love that Columbus got the win and Atlanta got the win, and we know they're in better positions. But where would you rather be there? PJ, what do you think? I think I'd rather be Kansas, take them back home, finish it off properly. I think... The other tie, going into a, a tie 2-1, that whole dynamic can change with one goal and your, your entire game plan goes out the window. You know, and that could be in the first two minutes of the game. So I think, uh, I think Kansas, that would be a preferable situation for me. See, now, now statistics would say, no, you take, you take the win where you, got, you, know, you have the automatic win already mm-hmm. and now you go and travel rather than you know, a tie. Or is it just the fact that they're at home? Maybe it's the fact that my team 
don't <laughs> don't clinically finish teams <laughs> off. So I would be suspicious. Going, it would be going too well if we were going into a second leg, one goal up. Uh, maybe it's just ingrained in me from being a kid. Uh, that whole Everton thing, all right? <laughs> I mean, any anyone else? Where would you rather be? We want to be having that victory in your, you know, in your grasp in your hand already, or the tie? Um, I mean, outside of just the results, looking at you know each location, Seattle's a different field. Mm-hmm. They yeah, that turf, you play have to play a different game. Um, it rolls a little quicker and differently. So. Yeah, but you take into account short week for Seattle and missing a couple of missing a couple of players too. We're yeah, talking about Marshall and yeah. possibly Christian Rodan. Yeah, um, I think at this point you take what you can get. And the win, the win is so you're just taking Portland, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Sass, which one would you take? <sighs> this, you know, I really think I have to agree with PJ on this one. I think I would definitely like to go in with you know clean slate or mm-hmm. you know tie going in. For a home field advantage and, you know, best man win. And Spoken like a true defender. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Seattle's just in a different position. Not that I don't think they can do it. I actually, I really do believe in them. But I think, you know, Portland does have the upper hand right now and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, you know, but they are playing at home. And, but I'll have to say the tie, I would definitely go in for Kansas. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the victory. I'm, I want I want that Spoken victory. Like yeah, yeah, there right. it is. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I'm taking that win. I, I got I've got the win under my belt. I know that, that. Look, it's a short week. They've got some injuries. You know, some of their top players are struggling. I'm looking at the totality of everything. I would rather. I think I'd rather be in uh, Portland's shoes, and especially if you've got Valeri, that's that still seems to be healthy. Blanco is starting to go even more on the uptick than he's been throughout the season. So. Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going Portland side there. I think uh, Savadesi is sitting in a good position on this one. You know, not that 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 Sporting I think is in a good position too. I just think it's a better one over mm-hmm. in Portland. All right, these playoff games come at a relentless pace now, so be sure to join us here on the Totally Football Show American Edition next Wednesday to keep up with all the action and join us in part three as we round up a busy week of MLS news. You're listening to the Totally Football Show American Edition. For sales and advertising inquiries, email hello at muddykneesmedia.com. Welcome to the third and final part of today's Totally Football Show American Edition. It's been a big week off the field with personal changes, transfer rumors, international unretirements, PJ, yeah. and perhaps most importantly, most importantly, the release of the new MLS match ball. So, Adidas and MLS released images of the new match ball. It's pretty similar to the Telstar model used in the Russia World Cup, but in a good old red, white, and blue colorway. But who will still be around to kick it? Because we've seen some comings and goings already since the regular season ended. A lot of changes going on. So we had some coaching changes, right? Uh, We're talking about Vancouver. Big change up there. Yeah, they got Mark DeSantos, who's, uh, you know, been really high regarded over the last few years and what he's done with a few different clubs. Um, You know, the interesting thing here is he's coming from LAFC as the assistant, uh, another team in the West where he's kind of had a look under the hood of what Bob's trying to build over there. So um, it was only one year, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in Vancouver. Yeah, we had another another change, not necessarily a coaching change, but there seems to be a front office restructuring going on at the LA Galaxy. Pete Vienas had been let go. 
Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of rumors out there. You know, a couple of the people coming in, you know, we're talking about who was it? Uh, Bruce who? Arenas. Yeah, Bruce Arena well. could be one of the big ones coming in. And you mentioned someone else, Tim. Who is it? Uh, Teclosa from, uh, from the Mexican Federation. I guess he's been down working with them for quite a few years. Um, but, yeah, they're clearing house. I, 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 I said it. I, this fr the front office was changes were going to happen, and a lot of it has to be coming from the man himself, the Lions, Lawton, saying, hey, James, with all the rumors of him possibly going somewhere else, he wants to see some changes. So, you know, they're making the moves, it looks like. Well, you yep. sourced on that last week that warning shots were fired with the transfer rumors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You say, oh, I'm possibly going to Milan. Oh, there's Real Madrid. That puts pressure on the organization to make something happen. And Pete Bienes, you know, is the, you know, the first one to go. Low-hanging fruit, you know. Mm -hmm. that, that's what always happens. Um, all right. Now, we, we talked about, you know, all these coaching changes that a lot seems to be in the West. But as far as the – we talk about the league real quick and the, the playoffs that, that are occurring right now. What do you, ha what do you think was the, the, the best move going into this playoff so far when we're talking about, you know, was it Greg Berhalter, you know, keeping Iguain out for that first half and bringing him in in the second half? Was it Savarese, you know, resting his starters leading into the playoffs so that they could be rested knowing that they would have that Wednesday, Saturday, Saturday game, like three games in the short span of like in eight, nine days? Or Tata Martino only playing a half with Almiron, you know, bringing him in and being effective in those first 45 minutes to get, you know, the result that he needed? Yeah. I mean, all big calls, those are the types of calls that a manager makes and they can lose their job over. So for it to work out, you know, I, th I think across the board was, was great. Peter Vermes as well, throwing in Rubio, next touch goal, you know. So, yeah. I mean, all of these moments, you don't know what was intentional, who's taking credit for it afterwards. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not putting that in the same <laughs> level. Like, you know, that's just a sub, you know, <laughs> super sub comes in and, it, you know, he should be thanking Nick Ramondo on that yeah, way. That's you know, true. For, that's for, true. For that one. For me, I, I like the Savarese, you know, because it, it is, uh, it, it's really impressive to rest your starters, you know, and say, you know what, we don't care where we end up you know, within the standings of the playoff positioning, but I need to make sure that my big guns get rest, you know, especially Diego Valeri, you know, those guys that they can rest and be ready to play a Wednesday, Saturday, and it worked out. Mm -hmm. It looks like and there, there's definitely, for Portland, a pep in the step, you know, yeah. so Savarese, watch out. Yeah. All right, um, with that, let's, uh, you know, take a – a little look as we talk about the whole year. We're in playoffs now, but what has led up to this year? Some of the big moments, and we talk about some of the award announcements. We have Rookie of the Year. You know, you have Corey Baird, you know, former Stanford guy at Real Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. Impressive year for him. Goalkeeper of the Year, Zach Steffen from uh, Columbus Crew. And and if you've paid any attention to how he's been playing, you know, penalty kick saves, some amazing saves all the way around. Definitely deserved Comeback Player of the Year. Giassi Zardes of the Columbus crew. Always an interesting one, Tim. Comeback player of the year. Yeah. I mean, what are you saying? <laughs> when did he leave the stage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's been scoring nonstop, so I'm not so sure about that one. Um, Defender of the year, Aaron Long, uh, New York Red Bull. Now, you mentioned something about him. He just into the first Yeah, team? I mean, he was, a, he was a guy who was on the Red Bull's second team in the USL a couple years ago, and he actually won Defender of the Year for the USL. Um, Brought up to the first team, the MLS side. First year did well. Second year, dominated. And, you know, you see him 
now he's getting called up to the U.S. men's national team and getting good reviews from the from the game he's played with them. So um, I think it's a great story, and it's awesome to see yeah, it's two, impressive. two it's impressive. homegrowns on this list with Corey Beard and Aaron Long both coming from those clubs. And that, that's, that's what I like, and we've talked about it before, is in this new era of the game, clubs have to find their – homegrowns, their academy kids, their second teamers come up and move through the system if you want to be viable and not just, you know, basically bleed money, you yeah. know, throughout. You've got to find you've got to find a way. And, you know, there are two organizations that have been talked about in the past, Real Salt Lake and New York Red Bull of, of doing a good job of that. And then there's a, quite a few others you talk about that FC Dallas and all that. So good good on them. Well done all the way around. All right, at the top of the show, we jokingly referenced the American midterm elections, but actually, you know, some of these votes affected MLS. Um, PJ, yeah, give us a minute, you know, there's midterms votings and how they affected the expansion teams. Yeah, now, for, for international listeners, in some countries, it's a simplistic in one box. In the US, from what I understand, not having no representation for my taxation here, but in the US, there's a number of things, number of propositions on the ballot, so... In Miami, uh, Beckham FC, Beckham United into Miami, whatever you want to call it, they successfully got approval in the first stage of that process for their stadium. But over in San Diego, Landon Donovan's bid took a hit because they were unsuccessful. So they didn't get the support they needed from the public. It doesn't kill their bid. It makes it harder. There's a, an opposition group there. I would still say that Donovan's group is probably the favorite but this is an obstacle and you know this is the type of thing uh where expansion bids have faltered before because you know then we've seen in st louis in the past they missed out on the vote and that saw nashville due to circumstances austin and cincinnati all leapfrogged them in the expansion process so this could be costly i do think there'll be an mls team in, in san diego i think it's a great market but they got more work to do and now they're going to go back to the the bottom of the line for a while yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, I've I've seen it all over. You talk about Sacramento as well. They're another one that mm. looked like they were very close, and then a lot of issues between the ownership, and all of a sudden, you don't even hear the talk about you know too much anymore at this point about Sacramento being ready to come into MLS. So you, you gotta you know dot the I's across the T's, or you're gonna find yourself to the back of the line. You know, and yeah. there's not a whole. Well, actually, there are still quite a few spaces left, but the rumors are true. <laughs> if they want to go up to 34 teams, 34 to 36 teams, we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, so speaking of conferences, we talk about uh, the USL a little bit. They actually have the final tonight, and we have which, – which teams is it, Tim, that are going for? We have Phoenix. Um Didier. Drogba. Didier. <laughs> Drogba and, is And back. Sean Wright Phillips. Oh, look at that. They're, they're, they're um, in Phoenix. And then we also have Louisville City. Louisville mm -hmm. City. Two of your boys are playing. Two center backs, right? Yeah, two Midwest kids. Two trying Midwest to, trying to hold down the <laughs> the king of Corte d'Ivoire. Okay, well, how how are they going to do? Really quick, you know, they will listen to this. Louisville's been a really strong team for a few years, so I think they'll take this one. So you think your two boys are going to be able to hold down Drogba? No, nah, never mind. <laughs> Didier Didi, 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 <laughs> won't take it. Uh, all right, PJ yes, Rooney. Sir. Rooney Rooney. <laughs> He's getting a call back to the England national team. He is. You know, it's a surprise, a surprise to everybody. Um, I don't know if this would have happened if DC would have progressed, but here he is. Um, I also don't think it's a coincidence that it's against the United States. I think there's a degree of commercial 
Mm-hmm. Decision making. No, they wouldn't make <laughs> any decisions like that just off of money. <laughs> it's been, you know, it's been pretty divisive back in England. Rooney's always been a divisive figure, and for whatever reason, footballers are held up to different standards than other people. Um, if you look at somebody, let's say Justin Bieber. These guys are international stars since they're 15, 16, right? Did you just drink, bring up Justin? How did Justin Bieber get into this conversation? Well, because I'm saying a pop star at the age of 15, 16 gets a little leeway for the, the mistakes they may make as teenagers. Somebody like Rooney didn't, you know, and he was heavily scrutinized. So back in England, this announcement has been very divisive. It's a very controversial thing in England. Personally, I think the guy earned it. I think on his farm for DC... He's been international class, and he's England's all-time top goalscorer. I come back to some of that divisiveness in England. Some of that is, is classism, plain and simple. You know, where he's from, his part of the world, my part of the world, not everybody takes you, right? And there's, there's a big class divide back in England, and I think that that's the undercurrent of him being rewarded. The guys who preceded him have honours from the Queen. You know, we're not going to see a Sir Wayne Rooney, right? So I think this is as good as it's going to get in terms of honouring his, his contribution for England. England's all-time top goal scorer. I mean, that deserves a farewell. Are you talking like a Sir David Beckham? Well, he Does he played, have the Sir yet? He, he, no, but he's on his way. He <laughs> okay. played the political game, supporting the Olympic bid, uh, the charitable stuff. He's pretty pally with the royal family. He's from the right side of the tracks, kind of. You know, he's fine. You know what? I think you changed my opinion. I think Rooney deserves it then. I, I like that. I like that then. I mean, there might be a lot of people that don't, but you know what? Yeah, if he's not going to get the, the recognition that he deserves, why not? This game's going to support the Wayne Rooney Foundation, which in turn supports uh, Clare House, which is a, a great cause back in, in Merseyside. Uh, so it'll be emotional for him. And, you know, and I'd also just like to point out that two of England's three all-time top goal scorers are Evertonians. Just, just, FYI. <laughs> just, just happened, just happened to <laughs> m- mention that one. Okay, enough for Rooney. You know, well, it, he it wasn't just... the only international on retirement this week, was he, Kobe? What are you trying to say? Well, <laughs> how was Africa? How was Morocco? Ah, first time to Africa for me in, in Morocco and out in Marrakesh. It was actually fantastic. It was my mm-hmm. first time really participating in a Legends game and going out there, you know, hanging out with the likes of, you know, Ronaldinho, Cafu, you know, Haji, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of, a lot of Legends. Jesu Gay, you know, it was, it was fantastic. The way they took care of us, it was kind of uh, uh, well done all, all the way around. It was really professionally done. Um, there, there was a, a lot of laughs and a lot of good times with, with all of this. And how was the hip? Did that Advil work my, my, out? Uh, the, the Advil, um, <laughs> two days before leading up, the Advil right before the game and the Advil after, you know, and the Advil still. All right, let, let's get to some of, the, you know, some of the fans out there if there's any questions uh, that some, uh, we have out there. Tim, I think you have one. We got a couple here on Instagram um, from, from the boy Andres Morelo down in Costa Rica, who is the greatest U.S. footballer of all time, currently or retired? Well, outside of myself. I mean, I take myself <laughs> out of this one. Uh, <laughs> I would say statistic- statistically, you have to go with Landon Donovan. You know, that I, I would say, you know, that just right off the bat, you know, that comes to everybody's mind, right? I mean, there are other arguments and, you know, any other opinions out there, I'd love to hear it. Wait, so Tim, you, you had a, a little bit of a discussion with me on that about the greatest of all time. With Pulisic, mm-hmm. you know, wh- wh- what was that? What was that possible argument that people would have out there? 
Well, I guess from an American player perspective, what's, you know, what constitutes the greatest of all time? Is it the, the level you might have reached, you know, at the world's highest stage, whether it be Champions League or a World Cup, or, you know, the overall impact over a career? So I guess, you know, the depth or the volume of what you've done. And, yeah, it's a toss-up because you could say, you know, Christian has the highest ceiling of any American player we've ever seen, and he's done things in his short career that are extremely impressive and, you know, maybe have done more in Champions League than a lot of other U.S. players ever have, but Landon is. Yeah, I'd, I'd I, like to throw a technicality into that. Owen Hargreaves, Canadian, all right, English national player eventually, but Canadian guy, right? Champions League, Manchester United, Bayern, great career. Are we talking about North American or U.S.? I think we got to, in MLS, <laughs> I think we've got to talk North American, right? Because Good we point. have some Canadian friends. That's true. Yeah. Alfonso Davies. There's a thing, right? Okay, you, you, I believe, you know, it's the totality of everything. Because yeah. you can't just, you know, I made the argument, okay, we talk about Pulisic in... Oh, is he the greatest of all time? It's like, well, what if he gets injured tomorrow and never plays again? Yeah. You're going to say just because he, he did that, he's the greatest of all time? No. So I think it has to be longevity of career, your accomplishments. You know, All that takes into account if you're going to be the greatest of all time. Right now, I'd say that the argument is for Landon Donovan. Um, if you're talking about Owen... You know, as mm -hmm. well. I mean, that that's that's up there. You know, because then people would say, "Well, look at Alfonso Davies. He's going to Bayern Munich. I mean, that's a legendary club. That's a top club. That's probably is that the highest club of any North American, you know, player." Well, with the, with the exception of London at Everton, probably. Uh, well, like I said, anybody that's reasonable and really <laughs> understands the game, you know, Ooh. you have to Bayern Munich, Everton. Come on, there's a little bit of a difference there. From at Jersey Jonathan. <laughs> Will Red Bull New York crash out hard again? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens yes. when you drink energy drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. You said yes, Tim. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I, I think, like you said, you said it earlier. It looks like they're going down that route. Like it's the same old song. I love Chris Armis, but yes. For me, it was you. Nah. But who is your idol? Who is your who is your idol, Kobe, growing up? Uh for me, I mean I grew up way, 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 way back in the day where there was no uh soccer to be seen on TV. There was no um you know, just you know, pick up the to pick up the well there wasn't a remote back then either, you know, just turn on the TV and you find a game. And my parents were, you know, we were a typical American family, we really didn't know the game in the seventies, you know, so it was for me, it was the, the typical stars. It was Pele. It was Metadonna. Those were really the only ones that you heard about or got to see. I didn't have so many choices or opportunities. And, you know, like I said, typical American family. My parents didn't even know about NASL yeah. to take me to games or anything like that. So I just grew up playing this game because I loved it. So my idols were the, the ones that were known beyond and throughout the world. But where would you see it? Would it be an advert? Would it be a little commercial, a newspaper snippet? For, for me, it was like newspaper snippets when there would be like the things about, oh, the most popular people in the world, the Pope, Pele, you know, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, and, and you'd hear about it like when we would pay the, the $10, $15 to go to a Mexican restaurant, you know, that would have it on satellite, have a game on satellite, and mm -hmm. then we could watch it in the big room and everyone would watch it, uh, watch a game together. Yeah. That's the only way I got to see soccer growing up. Yeah. Lauren, how about your favorite idol growing up? Oh, well, I do have to say Kobe. You were one of them. Ah. I loved watching you play. But, you know, obviously 
paving the way for us women, Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers, that whole clan. I mean, the 99ers. I mean, growing up a small kid watching these these women just they're just they were just so awe-inspiring for me you know Mm -hmm. and they really did pave the way for the women's game and it really opened doors for a lot of us and now you have the likes of Alex Morgan and Christine Sinclair you know coming from Canada she is just a huge idol of mine that I got the opportunity to play with you know so it's very special because I grew up watching you know Sinclair as well um but Mia Hamm would definitely be the one, you know, for us. And so I hope one day someone says Lauren Susselman. There has been a few. I and saw you know, that really, on that really hits me. It's, it's, it's really special. I know, you know, Kobe can probably attest to this. And, and Tim, you know, when someone says they look up to you, you know, and that you're their role model, um, it's pretty special because it knows that what you're doing, you're doing it for the greater good and you're really, you're really helping others. So. Okay, okay. Hey, if you're in Los Angeles and don't just want to listen to Soccer Talk but be a part of the game and you have what it takes, City of Angels FC, which is you know mine and PJ's MPSL yeah. men's team, are starting up the tryout process beginning next week. It's Tuesday, right, PJ? It's Tuesday. Tuesday night in the Valley. And, uh, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter, which is at City of Angels FC, or email us at contact at cityofangelsfc.la. And uh, let's see if you can make the grade. Can you make the grade? PJ's going to be out there judging you, trust me. He's (laughs) he's a harsh critic, all right? All right, okay, that's going to do it for us for episode four. I'd like to thank Sess, who who you can find on Instagram at lsesselman. Thank you. Tim, whose handle is at twalsh.88. See you guys next week. And, of course, PJ, who you can find at Vision. And a reminder, you can follow myself at Kobe Jones 13 and the show at Totally American on Instagram and at TFS American on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again on Wednesday.